this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebound and Safety. This week, we are kicking off our next mini-series. Let's jump into the intro. I'll tell you more about it, and we'll tell you the structure of a mini-series now that it's a little bit different in how we structure all our content at Rebound and Safety. Let's jump into the intro. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviors. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is the YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin. It changed the perception of health and safety and we do that right here. So hit that subscribe button and the bell and all those things that do the magical algorithm thingy majiggies. I bet that you guys can probably quote that line as well. I feel like one day I'm gonna to go to the expo and people are just gonna walk past me and say that. Like, what's up James? Peter McKinnon wannabe. Yeah. Peter McKinnon the safety. I'll take that. Anyway. Get, in, get back into it, James. Focus, focus, focus. We are starting a mini-series. But a quick word from our sponsors and I'll tell you some more about it. So those of you that work in a small, medium-sized enterprise, those kind of businesses that are just absolutely ramo all the time, and safety is maybe something that just falls by the wayside. It's conscious and you do it, but you know maybe you just need to do a little bit better and you want some extra support. Paradox Human Performance have the option for you, the solution for you. It's a HSE subscription service. Paradigm Human Performance is all about educating people. They're all about getting worker safety as a DNA of your company. They're all about teaching you to understand the subject matter expertise and exploit the subject matter expertise of the worker. Their HSE subscription service is designed to make you compliant, but it's also got that kind of hop specialism woven into it. So this isn't a kind of system that you're going to implement and then have to work on in a few years, you know, even though you do need to continually kind of keep it up to date, you know, obviously. But this isn't a system that in 10 years time, five years time, two years time, you get, oh my God, I need to declutter. This has got hop woven throughout it. So if this sounds like the option for you, then there's email address, phone number and website in the description below but if you're not quite sure yet and you're thinking who the hell is paradigm human performance and go to the website and check out the learning organization webinar every thursday at two o'clock paradigm human performance host a webinar giving away unbelievable amount of education unbelievable amount of content and the people the conversations the audience the chat box is all phenomenal so if you're not quite sure, you want to find out who Paradigm are, are they really what they say they are? Are they really what James says they are? Go check out that webinar because you'll learn pretty quick. The caliber of knowledge in that webinar is top notch. It really is. It's free of charge. And not only do you get that webinar, then the next one, next one, you also, once you log in, you get all the backlog. And there is so much. So go check that out. Paradigm Human Performance team are there pretty much every week. Nearly all of them are there. You can just get to feel for them. You can hear them. You can see them. You can understand their expertise as well and their style and their personality. So you can not just dive in blind. You get to know these people before you sign up. So go check Paradigm Human Performance out. Email address, phone number and website in the description below. And just a quick comment from 
Project Miletium, which is my company co-founded with Colin Nottage. We're the only mastermind community for anyone that manages safety, health, risk, focus on developing you, challenging you, solving your problems and pushing you to be better, ultimately making a better profession one person at a time. We run weekly community calls where we all help each other solve each other's problems. We talk about our wins as well, which is something that we lack so much in safety. Talking about what went well, understanding the presence of positives within our profession. We also run a philosophy call, which is the only safety philosophy call regularly, conversation, whatever you want to call it, being had in the safety profession. There's nothing like that anywhere else. We also run a book club where we read books, obviously, and then we come and learn about what other people learn from the book, which is kind of like reading a book and learning from it on steroids. And then we run a quarterly wagon wheel, which is a mastermind event Three and a half hours on a Saturday morning. You're like, what? I'm not doing three and a half hours on a Saturday morning. It's worth it. You get keynote speaker, but then not only do you have that keynote speaker, you get to go in a workshop with that keynote speaker and get a real up close personal conversation with them about how you're going to use the information that they've just told you. So if this sounds like it's right for you, we are a growing community. It's growing fast. We've only been going four months. Go to www.projectmiletium.com. The, link, the website's in the description below. But if you're still not sure and you want to try it free of charge, that's fine. Give me a call, DM me, email me, or Colin Nottage. Either of us will get you in the community um, and in one of our weekly calls. Free of charge, you can try it out and then see how you go. And if you're still not sure, then just go find some of our members. I'm always sharing stuff. And just, just connect with some of our members and ask them, what do you think? And, and trust me, the response you'll get will, will make you want to join. Okay, let's jump into this month's, no, this this kind of year's mini-series. I don't know. We're going to do another mini-series maybe this year. Actually, no, we're not. We're not this year. This, this mini-series runs all the way up to next year. What? Yes. But we're doing it a little bit differently than what we did the last mini-series of Safety 1 and Safety 2. We're only going to do the mini-series episodes on the first Monday of the month going forward. The reason for that is because, well, we wanted to give you a bit of diversity of our content as well. We didn't want to just be talking about this all the time. And, you know, Safety 1, Safety 2 mini-series, it was every week and it was it was a long slog. And I, and I think that maybe some of us were a bit like, oh, I could do with some normal content. So there will be um, a mini-series episode out on the first Monday then they'll be on the following Wednesday ish there'll be a reflection episode from me but then the following Monday we'll be back into kind of normal random content so what is this mini-series about well I was actually a bit nervous about this mini-series because this mini-series is all about diversity and diversity is a really sensitive space and one that is a bit of a minefield when you're having open and honest conversations around how to speak and what words to use and what's right and what's wrong. And, and some people open up in this mini series and tell us some really personal stories for them. Excuse my phone. And, and I was really nervous about saying something and that being interpreted the wrong way because, well, I have a unique way of talking really. And, and sometimes I can do that. and not realize that tone is very important. So I just wanted to kind of use this opportunity to say a little kind of caveat, a little bit of a disclosure that, this mini-series is coming from the right place. I think in a safety profession, um, 
we our lack of diversity is causing our problems. I think our lack of diversity is meaning that we is, is resulting in a lack of innovation, a lack of development, a lack of new ideas. So I'm doing this to kind of expose stories to show the benefits of of different um, diversities from gender, from uh, ethnicity, from sexual preference as well. And the aim is to try and show the potential and expose the stories and the challenges that these people have gone through and what makes them so resilient and what makes them so beneficial to your company. So please keep that in mind as we're going through these conversations because it is a very difficult conversation to have. And I'll say something like this at the beginning of every episode because I don't want someone to misinterpret anything that either my, me or my guests have said. Just please understand that both me and all of our guests are coming from a position where we want to make the safety profession better and more diverse and more inclusive. Thanks for just bearing with me on that. I appreciate your time. Okay, so who are we talking to today? Well, we're kicking off this episode with someone who is is getting increasingly popular and is such an amazing lady. And she's experienced some challenges through her career. And she tells us very honestly about these challenges and we talk really openly with each other. And it's a great episode to kick off this mini-series. Today's guest is Jessie Gomez. So please enjoy getting deep listen to Jesse's story and then we'll continue and kick off this mini series of diversity within the safety profession let's go right Jesse welcome to rebranding safety thank you for inviting me that's all right thank you very much for coming on we've been chatting for a hell of a long time trying to get this this going so it's actually really nice to press the record button and have a have a good chat with you Thank you for inviting. I'm really excited about our chat. <laughs> they all say that. I, w- I wonder whether that's just what people say in general. I'm really excited about this, <laughs> but actually just something I don't want to get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you give us a, a very brief introduction? We're going we're gonna to talk quite heavily about you anyway and your journey, but why don't you kind of uh, just give us a brief introduction um, to yourself and then, and then we'll probably dive in deep um, to, that, to that introduction. Yes, yeah, so I uh, will say um, in a nutshell that um, I've been known uh, for working within the construction industry and principally uh, for my ambassador role uh, within IOSH. So I arrived in UK about 10 years ago looking for my first uh, opportunity in UK, looking to uh, improve my language skills, learn about a new culture, a new way of working, uh, and also gain um, uh, an experience in health and safety in, in, a, in a foreign country because uh, um, I was born in France. Uh, an extended of time ago and uh, I was uh, looking to uh, gain global and international uh, experience and for me um, uh, the closer to France was to come in UK to be able to perform and since then I never left so I started to work within the construction industry as a a construction design manager and health and safety um, uh, advisor uh, working from a wide range of industry, uh, from retail uh, to uh, healthcare to banking, uh, property development lately. So I've really touched down a, a variety uh, of, uh, of clients uh, in, in a consultancy world uh, in health and safety. 
So mm. this is what I can pretty say about uh, my background. And obviously, I also mentioned about my ambassadorial uh, work and advocacy work to change and shape the future of uh, the Halvenzati profession, but also uh, the construction uh, industry landscape. So I'm a council member of uh, IOSH. Um, I've been elected by the membership. Uh, and I'm using my voice um, as much as I uh, can to uh, reflect uh, the view of the membership into IOSH as a, as a global uh, health and safety uh, organization um, for, for globally. So it's mm. what I do at the moment, yeah. And what, we're going to talk quite a lot around kind of like a, a diversity point of view and, and trying to promote that and, and understand it a little bit better. Um, and, and, and I think, I think understanding it, like and it's, that sounds a bit kind of maybe naive in a way, but like, I do think it's, it's important for us to kind of maybe separate ourselves from what we see in the, the media and social media when we talk about diversity, but to, to actually understand the people in this, because in, in, in the end of the day, you know, when we're, when we're talking about diversity, we're talking about people. Um, so I think it'd be really interesting to kind of understand you a, li- a little bit more. Um, and then, and then, you know, as a, as a kind of safety professional, as a, as a woman and, and so on and so forth. And, but what, what was that, that like coming from, from, you know, France over to the UK, that, that transition, were, were you, were you English speaking when you came over or, or, or how, how was that? that shift because i mean for me i've I've lived a very sheltered life uh you know born and raised in northamptonshire in in england and i not other than going on a holiday have not really left northamptonshire didn't go to uni or anything like that so for me you know that just seems like a challenge that i couldn't even imagine going to a different country with a different language trying to start a career and so on and so forth find somewhere to live and, and all of those stuff to, you know just learning the culture and stuff like that, even though it's still within you know the european union so to speak um that still must have been a massive shift uh yeah yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it was actually because uh, uh coming from france you you will think that they uh, a global interest and everybody knows about uh, being able to express themselves and understand the English language. But uh, it, the reality is not that shiny because uh, when I was in France, despite having studied English, when you don't practice it every day and you don't have this living experience, it's not the same. So, um, the really the milestone and the, and the leading event for me to come in UK, it's when I always been a practical person. I did my study in sandwich course, which is mean I was studying, but also I was working and a really practical experience. So I finished my, um, my uh, bachelor degree, uh, which was in uh, risk management in biological industry. And at that time I was working for uh, a manufacturer. Uh, they manufacture um, jam for uh, the cake industry, ice cream industry. I finished my internship there 
And I got the opportunity to have this global role within the organization, something incredible. And I applied for it and it was like a global interest role. And it was about uh, a sustainable development and being the sustainable uh, director uh, in France and being able to uh, being able to interact with your other counterpart uh, colleague all across the world. So I went for the interview, could come across really well speaking in French and describing what I did for the company during my year internship and the various impacts that I had. But unfortunately, when we had to switch and have to speak in English, I had a complete blank. Mm. I wasn't comfortable. I couldn't have the world and I couldn't express myself. So um, as a result of that, I just didn't get uh, the job. And I promised to myself that I will never miss the job opportunity because I just don't speak English. And for me, mm. this is what, when I decided that I'm gonna go uh, abroad. And UK was like the easiest way because two hours and 20 minutes from Paris, it was really uh, the great uh, alternative for me to, 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 to come uh, in London and uh, to learn English from this living experience point of view. So, of course, it was a lot of challenges. Um, the only things I could do when I first arrived is for smiling at people because you... Um, people said something to you and it's just it just don't go through your ear this is simple mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. uh, the communication channel wasn't existing there were no communication from my hands the only things i could respond is like with a smile and the smile was like i'm sorry but i just don't understand what you're saying mm -hmm. so it took me a year and within that year uh, I find a job and this is because I've been given the opportunity. Someone sees the potential uh, in me and gives me the opportunity to start working as a CDM despite not having uh, a, a, a really um, heavy background in CDM because in, in France we have the uh, equivalent of the UK CDM, which is coming from the European regulation, but it wasn't mm -hmm. exactly uh, a copy and paste and not exactly the same. And you have a lot of like cultural um, uh, changes about, uh, around the legislation background. So I really had to uh, have this notion of understanding what is the context behind CDM in UK in the UK. So um, I literally learned English and learned CDM on a job. So uh, it was just like one of the most challenging year of all my life because uh, I had to sit down and in front of men because this is the reality. I remember one of my first meeting and it was a design meeting on site, a lot of noise. I was like quiet, <laughs> really, really shy. And I had to speak as a CDM advisor. You, you will expect to be really expressive, to be really confident. And I wasn't. This is mm. the truth. I, I wasn't coming across as I come across today. I was really diminishing myself. I was... I was really quiet because, and I was speaking really fast. I was speaking English really fast mm -hmm. because I was trying to end the sufferance of like having <laughs> to talk. And, and I remember this 
architect saying to me, can you please pick up? And, uh, and I was like, oh my God, I was like, I had like sweat and mm. it, it was really, really hard. And, and you know, when you become uh, uncomfortable, it's when the growth happens. And I mean, I had, didn't have another choice. I was there, I had the job and I had to grow really quickly. So I had to exponentially uh, increase my uh, knowledge of CDM, increase my confidence, increase my communication skills, uh, increase the way I express myself, the way I understand, the way I listen to the client and, and, and I feedback. So um, it, it, it's been like the most like, uh, uh, the learning experience to, I, I will never forget because it was really painful. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and also you look different as well, you know, yeah. uh, CDM uh, uh, advisor, we, we came from the planning supervision era and uh, 1994, then 2007 came the second revamp of, uh, of CDM and you there, you know, mm. and you the one who has to be, oh, we're not doing what the planning supervisor used to do. I'm now a CDM advisor and this is the way I do things. And, and, and sometimes you have to uh, interpret the code of practice because uh, it, it gives like a lot of freedom. So I had to try to understand how uh, I'm going to uh, uh, translate this approved code of practice uh into into my project because at the end of the day it's nearly like a, a personal style to deliver the the legislation for you you follow the, the legislation but you also have to find uh, a way to work through with your emotion and, and uh, your emotional intelligence principally mm -hmm. how do you understand the client um concern in terms of cost, uh, in terms of timing, and how do you communicate with them to try to say that you can't compromise the health and safety on site. And, uh, and this is what was really uh, challenging the first time I arrived here. <laughs> I, can, I can relate that, that, you know, when you said about that, having that smile and just going, hmm, I have no idea what you just said. I can totally relate <laughs> to that. Be, being, being hard of hearing, um, I, I have that a lot that that kind of mm -hmm. and you get to that point don't you where and I'm not saying that it that it's um you know anywhere near as difficult as not understanding the language I can relate a little bit but you do get to that point where you feel really awkward asking mm -hmm. pardon or saying sorry can you repeat yourself like more than once or twice um mm -hmm. and that takes like quite a lot of kind of cojones really like some real resilience in your character to be able to just go I'm, I'm really sorry but I still don't understand what you're saying because you're worried about offending them as well like and 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 it seems to be I don't know about you but from my from my um perception as as a kind of uh, I don't know a dis disabled person I suppose so I don't really like to label myself with that but you know having a disability the onus seems to be on the recipient of of, of the communication do you know what I mean mm. not the communicator um, mm -hmm. but I, I feel like when when you go sorry I didn't understand that they just say the same thing again 
like and, mm-hmm. and it's like well that's not going to work because obviously i didn't hear you right the first time round. like there's no mm-hmm. slowing down or explaining it in a different way or maybe enunciating a little bit the the, the emphasis is always on the recipient the communicatee as as opposed to the communicator i feel like we need to shift mm-hmm. that. i don't know was that your experience as well uh, yeah, I do agree. The um, effort uh, had to come a lot uh, from me, and and uh, as um, as a non-English speaker, as a person who wants to learn, you always have to uh, be really proactive. This is the thing, and mm. I think that the person that you have in front of you, it's more um, it's more inactive and and more uh, in. Um, yeah have less proactivity to try to help you out so the effort is really coming from you mm. and, and sometimes it's like it's just don't go it's mm. just don't pass you're here mm. and uh, I, I remember it's like being um, deaf and the first time you start hearing things and, and you're like wow i can actually understand what the person in front of me is saying and uh, yeah take a shift I take a shift, yeah. yeah. But but I must say, uh, 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 I had I've been really lucky because I had a mentor, and he was like really good to uh, uh, repeat things, um, mm. uh, correcting me because I know that there's a bit of a stigma of like British people thinking like, oh, I'm not gonna correct, it's not polite, they're not gonna be, and I think that uh, if from the beginning I, I had people who were correcting me um a lot of mistakes i will not be uh, doing now and i'm still <laughs> making mistakes in english my english is not is not perfect but it's just enough to get by so it's fine yeah. i can yeah. do my job it's, it's interesting that you mentioned like being being proactive is that was that a big driver in like like because you've achieved a lot in 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 your career whilst you've been here you know your phd uh mba you know published research was was oh i haven't anything published yet oh <laughs> sorry 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 my yeah um, um i hope to publish and my phd is ongoing it's a long process and uh yeah i'm, I'm really uh, grateful that i I have this opportunity to mm. go through the process and it's a long process. It's, it's tedious and, and you need a lot of concentration to, to have to go through. So I'm still going through, through it. Yeah. And I hope to come up, you know, as a side. Yeah. And, you, and you've got like, you know, you, like you said earlier, you're the IOSH, uh, you know, council member, you're, you're really active as well on social media and stuff. Was, was uh i'm trying to word this this right like was your the fact of like you're from a different country you know a different race the the potential language barrier was 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 the driver in in getting this stuff that was it like i need to prove i need to have these kind of bits on paper to prove that i am just just as good um or, or was it or was it just the same as everybody else like i just want to progress in my career or maybe a bit of both or i think that i could have been from any ethnicity this is like me being human and being yeah. passionate mm. having first for learning and knowledge having first to change and challenge uh, the construction industry to always get better and better to disrupt the status quo and and to change the landscape of the profession so um uh, uh, 
IOSH, the PhD, all of these are just like uh, 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 tools that will allow me to have like a more purpose uh, career and purposely uh, um, life. Mm. So um, I think this is how I'm how I'm looking at things. It's like it's not because I'm from another ethnicity that I'm doing what I do. It's more from a human perspective. It's being who I am. It's giving me the strength to. To, to, to go further, but but you're probably right. It's it's my background, it's the fact of my education, my parents pushing me, mm. um, saying that I will always have to work harder, which was true. And it's demonstrated really true that sometimes you could be facing the same person and uh, your counterpart and not being paid the same and not being given the same chains and and uh, and yes, but I think it's a good uh, mix of uh, of both. Yeah. I've, I've, the reason I came to that that question, I was just thinking about it whilst we were talking, and I li- I listened to quite a lot to. It's a kind of cliche, but I watch a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk, and uh, he he's like a very successful. Those that don't know, like hugely successful trying trader, a businessman, etc. In America, um, mm. and and emigrated at a very young age with his parents uh, from from Russia. Um, and he talks about that quite a lot in that, you know, he, he says, you know, we, businesses should be looking to employ more immigrants to their business because these are resilient people. These are people that, that will work a damn sight harder because when they got here, you know, they, they weren't given that kind of um, that, you know, they were given nothing. It was they, they've made a decision to come over, potentially a language barrier, and they've had to work it themselves. So he kind of comes at it from that that perspective that, you know, they're, they're more resilient and they work a lot harder. I'm not saying that, 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 that you know, a different, you know, like English people don't work hard. That's not the point. And I think people always get to that point. And, well, I work hard as well. That's not my point. My point is that I am I am very aware extremely aware that just because of where i was brought and i am privileged like that that I, I don't think i can change that fact i've it doesn't change the fact that i've i've still worked really bloody hard to get where i am I, no one can take that away from me but i'm very appreciative of the fact that i would not have wanted to do everything i do now in a country where i don't understand the language the culture the people uh etc cetera, etc cetera. That, that's inevitably going to be more challenging surely yeah, I've been, I've been told in my career that I will. I had people who said to me, "You, you crazy! I will have never went in another country and had to learn a new language and and learn a new job. It's hard. I'm not gonna mm. say that my journey has been easy, and it's still hard today. And uh, and the more I'm gonna um, advance in my advocacy of like having more diverse workforce in construction, more visibility at top and senior management level uh, of people who look different. Um, I, I think for me, I will, I will be keeping standing and, um, and I know that it's, it makes people feel really uncomfortable. And, and I want to say that it's not about them. Uh, the people have to stop feeling um, uncomfortable about how the people uh, journey and fight. This is nothing against someone. This is just me yeah, trying to 
have to do my my purpose in mm-hmm. life if i want to have a purpose life and if it, it's mean having to speak about my own experience i think people should be respectful because i respect other people i respect other experience i listen and when i see someone else fight i just don't take it as an attack for myself i'm like okay how can we synergize and how can i help mm-hmm. this marginalized group uh, it, it could be any group. It doesn't have to be group who look like me. And how can we synergize and work all together to try to change? Because mm-hmm. today is this group, but tomorrow it could be another group. Mm-hmm. And I think the fundamental, it's about human rights. It's not about um, a certain group in this society. It's really, if we really focus in, in human and, and kindness, uh, we will not have to have any uh, any um, talk about uh, oh this is make me feel uh, uncomfortable because you having this personal fight. I mean it's not uh, it, 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 don't take it personally. I want to say yeah yeah it, there is that that kind of um, it, it, I don't know whether it whether it's English culture or, or what, but I I've had to challenge myself with that sometimes that when when you kind of when i say it could be something simple like oh god i feel really knackered today and it and mm-hmm. it sometimes it feels like the person you're talking to has to kind of justify that they're also feeling very tired like mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like that it's sometimes people are, are a bit like that like just because i say you know just because you say the challenges that you've had coming over from france being part of like a bame community etc cetera, etc cetera, like i don't then have to respond and say well jesse i'm from a working class background and that was just as hard like mm-hmm. they're, they're both challenges they're both challenges they're challenges in their own right but your challenge doesn't take anything away from mine and mine doesn't take anything away from you yeah, yeah I, I think this is a this is a yeah real issue it's about uh it's about being emotionally clever. It's something that I'm mm. going to be using all the time, uh, listening to other people and be empathetic and, and just acknowledge. You don't have to be, you can agree to disagree and and it's fine, but you can't remove any legitimacy to someone else's fight. This, mm. this is a thing. Yeah. No, mm. exactly. 100%. And I'd like to bring bring us uh, kind of bring us to one thing. So, well, this this time, whilst you're you're you you've moved to a different country, you're learning a different language, you're starting a new career, you're 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 going through qualifications. You know that that is a huge. Any one of those, I think, is a big challenge for any. If I was to look at them, you know, I, I nearly have a mental breakdown just moving house, <laughs> and and you've mm. kind of done all that, you know, in in a kind of short amount of time. But but I had a mental breakdown too, and I think. Uh, People need to know that we're not people who do all what I do or, 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 or different things. We're not superhuman. I, I'm a human. And mm. at, at some time, you break under the pressure. And, and I did. Uh, last year, um, I had my baby girl and um, I had my PhD going. I was coming back from maternity leave. I just finished the leadership program. Uh, within a construction uh, major construction company and uh, and when you see the lack of emotional intelligence of of certain people in front of you it's when sometimes you break and mm. and i did i did i i just had a mental breakdown and today um i'm not uh, afraid to have to speak about it because for months i couldn't 
speak about it and just thinking about it. I was crying, talking about it. And now I feel like I, 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 I'm in another stage of like grieving the fact that I, I was like really down and now I'm up and I think life is this, it's like up and down mm -hmm. and you need to, 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 to be really um, secure, put your seatbelts and be being able to jump on a bump when it's happening and learn. I think mm -hmm. this is the most important thing. It's like, you don't lose, you always learn. And it's something like I always, always do into my, I do into my PhD too. It's about what are the lessons? What do we learn? How do we share this lesson? And what I do today, it's just, I'm just sharing the lesson of, being a woman um, in construction and coming back from maternity leave and uh, and to be honest the emotional breakdown was uh, was a, a, a complete reaction to, to the way and to the reflection that the society and the firm can sometimes uh, reflect it to you and putting a mirror and said yeah um so i think it's really it's really crucial i want to speak about it because i think you know a lot of uh, as women we just don't speak about it we have a baby mm. we just come back to work no this is yeah. not what's happening mm. we have things going through a body mm. you 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 full of hormones when you come back and uh, and proper risk assessment should be done and the way people talk to you the, the way your return dealt with it's crucial I think it will avoid a lot of women to go into a postnatal depression because uh, it, it, it has to be a, a systemic approach within the um, within the organization and, and the rehabilitation and the return to work from parents from maternity leave need to be really really well uh, 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 viewed and and you can't just let one standalone manager. Uh, do whatever he wants when when a woman come back it's like there are a lot of implication mm -hmm. in, in the woman family and life and mental health you you went you went to the exact place i was going to try and take us to so so well done it, it, and 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 that was i was going to say is for all this time and and then and then you decide to yeah, have a baby as well uh, and I and I've just had uh, you know our baby in the house and, <laughs> congratulations yeah. thank you and yes, and i yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say, you know, that that in itself is, and I know everyone says it and everyone, you know, knows the obvious stuff, the sleepless nights and stuff like that. But it's, it's so much more than that. It, it just seeing the peaks and troughs, like you it, it absolutely nailed it that my wife has gone through in the short amount of time we've been home. Uh, you know, we, we she's been, her and the baby have been home now for about for just coming up to a month baby's about a month mm. so you know it's not just the sleepless nights it's it's all the of this other stuff it's that what are you trying to think about it's the it's the money it's the baby it's a constant the constant worrying if you're doing something wrong right is she too hot is she too cold you know mm -hmm. is, she, is she feeling up what why is she crying i fed her it's all of this stuff and that is just constant stress like if we're talking about stress and well-being at work you're you're we always say you know a little bit of stress is good right but it prolonged stress is never good and, yeah and it's it's a prolonged effect of stress 
and, and you have like a lot of uh, of physiological effect and and i had to go through that and it's just you can't just keep going with that mm. amount of stress this is not human the stress reaction and respond in your body is natural it will allow you to to fight or flight when you are in situation of danger but mm. you can't keep all these hormones exactly. in your body for a prolonged amount of time and and i had to go through that and it was just you just lose your mental abilities you can't think straight yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. take decision and uh, and you have to take a, you have to take a step back mm. and you have to check back in and it's something that i learned uh, james during my journey of having to uh, break down and putting the piece of JC again and like mm. being here and standing in front of you and in front of your audience to speak about it. It's a journey. And, and I thought I will never see the light. I thought that, oh my God, my career is finished. I don't want to work anymore in a construction industry. They just don't understand women. This is my experience once again, because I know that the people out there will be no we treat women really well when they come back it's it's and i think that yeah it's good but this is my experience that i'm sharing today i think the key is uh, just sorry jess the key is there is context i think i will kind of exactly nail what what i think you're trying to get out so i would never ever say that i have ever treated a woman unfairly but Mm -hmm. i would approach a maternity a maternity work to work return to work risk assessment in a completely different light now i've seen my wife of course yeah so, uh, so uh, of course context i think in a lot of places and and i think a lot of men can can go through you know childbirth with their wife and and it depends how we look at it you know i have just i think through through all the work i've done in the podcast and safety and trying to learn a bit of psychology and sociology and things like that i've been i've been really lucky to be in a place where i can look at it a little bit different and and jesus christ i would look at a return to work so differently now and and i think there's there's more that needs to be done from a policy point of view just just from that i think we we fail to I've, I've always said i feel like we're a one we're a one problem nation and probably a one problem world so we talk about maternity for example we can only talk about that or let's actually here's a good example we talk about the gender pay gap right so that, that's what we're going to talk about we focus on that how do we do we need to we need to kind of pay women more so that it brings the gap up but there's, a, there's an amazing documentary on netflix where they talk about mm-hmm. the gender pay gap and and it basically says one of the main contributors to this is actually it's a parental pay gap because the mm-hmm. big, one of the biggest challenges is women take anything from nine to 10 months off of work at some point in their life. Now you take any man out of their workplace for 10 months, they will inevitably fall behind as well. So, mm-hmm. so where we look at countries that have a, a more balanced approach in paternity leave, not just maternity leave, they allow the fathers yes. to be able to take some more time off. They allow the fathers to be able to become um, the, the work from home dads. That's more socially acceptable. And we have the shared uh, parental leave now, which is a good thing as well. Yeah, but, but I have to uh, steal that off my wife. 
Sorry, I have, to, I have to steal that time off of my wife. If I want to take mm. increased paternity leave, she has to reduce her maternity leave. And I don't think. Yeah, that, that, she has that, to return fair. to work. This is the thing. Exactly. And the family is breaking down because uh, uh, you she's returning to work. You stay, you stay with the child, but it doesn't ensure that your own career won't be impacted. You know, I think that men who have to take the choice as well to. Um, to take parental leave as well, I have to go through stigma as well. Uh, here are some exactly. stories. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it's really um, it's an approach to, to change, yeah, a societal approach, yeah. We, which is so much that we need to look at here you know like like you you you're going we've got we've got i i think we've got problems in the way we approach motherhood uh, and work the way we mm -hmm. approach fatherhood and work the way we approach race and work the way we approach you know sex and sexuality and work and all of this stuff and they're, they're all kind of out, in a way they're mm. out of out of scope from a business but i don't think i don't think that means that businesses can't do anything i think mm -hmm. you see in businesses like i follow a company called social chain on on social media and and mm. they're quite big in they're just they've just employed you know a um a couple of roles in the business that are just there to focus on people like they're not mm -hmm. there to do anything else. It's not like I'm an operations manager and I line manage people. Their mm -hmm. role is, is, is I'm here as like the people care manager or something, which is like my job is to sit down with Jesse and James and to say, you know, how are you doing, James? And uh, you've just had a baby, haven't you? Yeah, I have. And how are you dealing with that? And, and frankly, mm -hmm. I would turn around and say two weeks was nowhere near enough for me. And I hate being back to work. And that, mm. that chips away at our bodies and our brains and, and so on and so forth. And I think businesses do a lot more of being a bit more empathetic to each individual's cases. Mm. Definitely. I, I think this is, uh, this is my point here. And I don't want to remove any, any um, personal fight for anyone. This is just my experience. Mm. I, I, as a woman, and, and, and this is my personal experience that I'm sharing here. So, they know they know right or wrong um, uh, answer here. I, I think everybody like ha have different experience coming back. So, mm -hmm. but but definitely this is, has to be driven by policies. It's something that I'm really keen, and there are a lot of work ongoing, and also more proactive uh, construction firm or, or, or any workplace really into making sure that the policy are respected as well because it's not all about having shiny policy sitting on a shelf or on a system of processes and then individual can then do uh, a principal line manager can um, just escape the um, the real um, implication that mm. their decision can have do you think it's like it's it's like that kind of shift that we need from a company focusing on do, being compliant and doing the right thing by what they're told? So, and I think maternity and paternity leave is a, is a really really good example of that. And I've never, I've literally just kind of come to it in my brain now as we're talking. But like, I would always look at this from a safety point of view. But let let's look at it from maternity and paternity point of view. Like, mm -hmm. you, you're 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 required to provide the lady with nine months off, and you're 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 required to provide the, the gentleman with with two weeks off some businesses do a little bit more i think there's um 
one of the main uh, one of the biggest insurance companies in the UK, I can't one of the bigger ones. I'm sure they 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 provide the gentleman with six months optional like, paid leave or, or yeah, like it's what they so. call the enhanced maternity leave. Yeah, they, they give them uh, a, a, yeah. an enhanced leave. And mm. and now and I feel like that for me is is a shift from from doing what we, we're told to do to actually looking after our people and, mm-hmm. and 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 not just saying like oh jesse i look after you because i give you what i'm told to by law and now with now when those businesses that do that little bit more they're going jesse i look after you because i want you to work for me and i want you to be well and happy and if i can do what i can to make you well happy comfortable you know feel like you're accepted feel like you fit in you're part of my culture I damn well know that you're going to work hard for me because I created the environment in which you can do that. No, it's true. And I think there are like a lot of companies, they they are doing a a really good job in terms of like uh, providing maternity policies, providing enhanced maternity leave. But I think that from my personal experience, it's what's come up after. It's good to be paid for six months. And then you, you have the uh, government um, uh, maternity leave that kick off and you can make the choice to come back to work or just stay for another six months with your baby. Uh, and I decided to come back because I really wanted to work. Mm-hmm. But I think that the return and the rehabilitation, it's something that has to be looked at really carefully because uh yeah it's great to leave more time to women but bear in mind when they're coming back what what they are going through and they sleep deprived um and they full of hormones which make you in certain more emotionally mm-hmm. um uh, um uh, sensitive so um I, I think this is like something we need more training in yeah. in place in workplaces about okay your line manager, you've got a woman coming back from maternity leave. It's her first day back. You can't stress her with jobs that need to be done within mm. two days. You can't change her role on the day she's coming back without prior uh, her speaking with her. It's simple. Mm. When you have to do change, just speak with the uh, person mm. and there are a lot of like shifts you can't do on a first day you know mm. just because that's the, the philo- f- physiological uh, um, state a woman is when she is coming back it, it could trigger a lot of things yeah yeah because you're kind of like a like a and i'm speaking from my own experience like a completely different person like like I'm, i am completely different person to what I was four weeks ago when I didn't have a baby. And, and but you know, you have also hormones, new hormones coming. It's like, we, there are a lot of interest about women and what's happened to their body, but something is going on into your body too, you know? Exactly. And um, yeah, and it's true. I'm not the same person. I'm not the same woman before and after I had a baby. I, I, I'm a new person. I look at things differently now. And my priorities, my child, I still want to fulfill myself as a human being, Mm. but I won't compromise my family and I won't compromise uh, my relationship with my child. But it doesn't mean that I can't be a 
and a, a, a tremendous good uh, workers. Yeah. I just need the amount of support when I first return. And I yeah. think that they should be like monitoring at least for six months when you come back from maternity leave. And, and what I find difficult is like, you don't have to just stick with compliance. Mm. Just do things differently, go beyond. Use your experience to say, or oh, maybe we should be more attentive because we know that women um, after maternity leave are inclined to postnatal depression. So we don't want to have to trigger anything going on. Uh, it's it's already difficult enough to have to return. You often um, have extra weight. Mm. You often sleep deprived. Mm. So it's it, it's um, it, it's all these things that mm. and you look at yourself differently as well. So and people might look at you differently too. Mm. It's like and you you can be judged as well for any decision. Whatever. You, you take, you always be judged. You're back now. Why are you back? Why don't you stay home a bit longer? Um, uh, they know right or wrong answer. I always say that. You have to go with what works for you. What do you want to do? What do you want to fulfill for yourself? And as long as you're happy as a mom, as a, as a dad, as a parent, um, and your child is, is happy, is what does it count? Yeah. Did you, did, I just want to come on that point you mentioned there. Did you, did you get a... I feel, it, was that in your head then when you were you returned to work you, you returned to work a bit earlier than than traditional is that right than, than, than uh, yes I did and I so, think I was really ambitious about returning back and <laughs> <laughs> I was too as usual I was too ambitious too too ambitious that, that, that's your that's your right as a human, as a woman, as a mother, to, to make that decision. And and I'm assuming that wasn't, you know, just you, it would have been a conversation with your partner and, and, and so on and so forth and family or whatever. But you made that decision. But was that in the back of your head then, I think what you were alluding to then, in that some people might be really questioning why you're coming back to work and maybe potentially questioning the relationship as a mother? Or, or yeah, you... they, they question that even before you go on maternity leave. The thing is, like, I didn't start my maternity leave before 10 days before my due date. Wow. So I actually I was trying to keep myself active. And you know, when you work, you keep yourself active. You leave yeah. home. And, um, and for me, I wanted to keep that um activities and i'm not working far uh, i wasn't working far from the office so for me but but it was really hard <laughs> it mm. was really hard so up to 10 days before my due date I, I i went and i walked to the office and people people have something to say why well, why are you doing that to yourself and if i had to do it again i would have done things differently to be honest okay and and i think the interesting thing here is as well it's like if you if you're just sticking i think this this my, my what i'm going to say next kind of applies to much more than this maternity point of view but i think this is a good example in that you know ensuring that that you're having that that good maternity leave the good return to work etc the groundwork is laid from a business point of view way before even before you even know that that lady is is thinking about having a child or the, the even the, the man is thinking about having a, a child it, it's like 
So the way what I'm trying to get to you, if you imagine you didn't have a very, you had a very transactional relationship with your manager, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so every time you, I'm your manager, for example, every time I, I ring you, I will say, hi, Jesse, how are you? And you give me a, a, an answer of how you are. And now I pretty much cut into that response and say, that's really good. Have you done that report for me? It's a very transactional. Mm-hmm. I only talk to you because I want something, right? So let's say the company has this really good policy because I've seen some companies do of having regular check-ins with you whilst you're on maternity leave. Right. Mm -hmm. If I have that pre um, that, that pre kind of defined relationship of a transactional poor quality relationship, every time I check in with you on maternity leave, it means nothing, but it's a good Mm -hmm. idea, but it means nothing. If I have a very kind of transformational, very relationship based uh, conversations with you for example when i say hey jesse how are you i actually care about the response and me and you have a really good relationship as manager and and kind of delegate or whatever um when i do that that policy from a business point of view of checking in with you it mm. means so much more and it actually mm. has a powerful effect so the, the the what we're actually talking about here is not necessarily like a policy in in some sense it, it's a of, of for that one thing it's that wider policy of having good managers like i think a great it's human it. skills it's human yeah. skills and i mm. think it comes back to what you said earlier it comes back to culture as well mm. because uh it's jesse how are you it's like people move on before you can even say how you are yeah yeah and sometimes you want to say more but in uk it's like how are you? Bye. How are you? And <laughs> the person is already gone. Uh, and it's like, it, it's, this is really hard for me because um, I, I'm French, but I also have uh, uh, other background. And, uh, and in producing this other background, it's, it's really about caring. When you ask people how they are, you really listen. Mm. And it's something that, even now, after more than 10 years in UK, I, I still just can't have my head around this how are you question. Because when someone asks me, I really want to say how I am. And sometimes I'm being so French because I'm like, I'm having a bad day. I'm like frank. Yeah. But people are not ready to sit down and listen really to you. Even if we've, we've got all this, like it's time to talk, time to listen. Why do you have to force people to have to do that? It should be every day. Why once a year you should have a campaign to say it's time to talk. Let's have a cup of tea and tell me how you are. No, this is a everyday, um, everyday skills. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a soft skills. It's a human skills. So, um, yeah, you're right in the sense that sometimes it's like, oh, Jesse, how are you doing? You're in the middle of your maternity leave. And it's like, really seems like, okay, I tick my box. Mm. I, I, I check uh, um, how is she. And uh, and this is bring really a lot of anxiety when you're a woman because you start to question, hold on one second. I'm pretty sure there must be something going on behind. And I might still have my job when I'm going to come back. Mm. This is becoming like really uh, strange that I've been asked about, but but nothing is said about uh, the job, nothing is said about, and then, then this is when anxiety, new anxieties, because I didn't know what was anxiety before I, before, um, I got pregnant, actually, mm. because it's, it's during pregnancy, you start to 
see some shift in the ways that you feel as well. Mm. So, and anxiety was like never experienced anxiety before on uh, all my life. Yeah, mm. it, it really was something really new uh, for me and mixed with stress and depression. It's it's really a cocktail. You don't have to drink, James. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to drink this cocktail because it's just like it takes time to flush mm, out of your body. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can, I can empathize with that. And I think we, what you said there about culture is interesting because that comes back to what we were talking about when we first started talking. That that shift when you move over to England is that that simple shift is a. I, I get it. Like in 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 England. I understand what you're what the challenge you're getting because we are we were trained I was trained from my parents and my grandma that you don't air your dirty laundry you know you you leave the door very very cut like uh, you 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 have a face on you have a front on you look nice you're presentable and you don't talk money you don't talk problems and people say how are you you say I'm really well thank you how are you and that's it mm. and I remember myself as a as a young man not even that long ago I remember myself saying to somebody, you know, when you ask someone how they are, like, it's just a figure of speech. I don't actually give a shit how you are. Like, I remember me saying that. I remember because that was how I was trained in, in, I think it is a very British thing. It's a very British thing. We, we do care. We really do care. But it's like we've been, we've been culturally trained to not air, air our dirty laundry so in that aspect when we're trying to make this shift now i'm trying to tell british managers for example to be a bit more empathetic towards their 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 their, their um their what's it subordinates you know just to, to say how are you and actually listen to the response they don't know how to respond when jesse goes in her very french manner oh my God, I'm terrible. I feel like I'm going to cry any minute. Or even worse, you actually cry. You know, a, a, a British bloke would not know what to do. They would really mm -hmm. struggle in that situation because we've never been taught how to deal with this stuff. And these human skills that you're talking about are absolutely vital, but we don't teach it. I, I had a really good conversation with Sarah Brummett a couple of weeks back, and we talked about communication. It's such a vital skill, but when are you ever taught to communicate? ever like think back to when someone was in school somebody said hey, we're going to actually teach you how to communicate like mm. no one ever did that it just it's kind of done for your experiences which is not necessarily a bad thing but it, it depends on is your experience like around the world i think that people who have traveled around the world can com communicate a hell of a lot better to, than somebody like me who's just been in northamptonshire because it's been a, a hard slog and i think having this podcast has really helped me learn how to communicate so i'm speaking with people all around the world now and that's been a journey for me but it, that's just one example of how it makes you know somebody that, that's gone from one culture to another a hell of a lot more emotionally intelligent potentially a better communicator potentially more resilient as well you know it's all of these things which brings me to kind of my my, my kind of next point is that i feel like we need to shift our conversation around diversity from ticking a box uh, so like how many how many people from the bame community are we employing right yeah that's a 20 percent great how many asians are we employing oh good that's another 20 percent how many women how many how many two the 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 benefits 
of having a diverse mm. board, of having a diverse management team, of all the you will think completely different to how I think because mm. of where you've come from and where I've come from. And that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, I think it comes down to diversity of uh, of thinking as well. And this is something yeah. I'm really keen. It's not all about um obviously I have different ideas. I wasn't brought up in UK. I come from multicultural family. Uh, my parents left a country themselves, and and, uh, and then they they arrived in France forty years ago, and they had to to learn. And, mm. and I did the shift from France to UK, so it, it's bringing even more languages, and it's bringing more um, more thinking and more more ideas. So. Uh, and I'm just craving to 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 have like people who think uh, different out there and being able to to speak about their experience. I think it's so important to have a platform for everyone and not always the same people to be out there and speaking. And uh, I think this is crucial. And and if I'm here today, it's really to say to to people who look different, to people who are disabled, have different sexual orientation, just go out there, just speak about your experience because um, otherwise we just don't know what's going on. And, uh, and it's really a shame because um, uh, you, you don't always have like a camera pointing out of what's uh, disadvantage people are going through every day and you can't show it to the world. This is not how, sometimes things happen so it's really important to give a platform to people to be able to to speak about and i think that now going forward there's gonna be a real shift because people have started to speaking up about about it without uh, having a platform we don't need a platform anymore we're in the 21st uh, century and you just um you 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 just work on your branding and you and you go out there and sometimes it's painful because people are just not comfortable to hear about this and mm. I'm really glad that you provide me with the opportunity, James, today to be able to speak on a daylight because it's something I was doing but you know you always hide yourself behind mm. and like trying to do your own thing and thinking that you're doing something wrong. Don't get mm. me wrong. At the beginning, I was like. This is not normal. Trying to get people to gather them to try to speak about the experience of uh, of working in 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 a, a firm. Uh, what is your experience as a woman who look like me? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me? And, and I nearly feel bad to have to do that because I said, "Am I, 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 I might get um, told off because I'm I'm having this uh, kind of like mini group and we we challenging the status quo. We're speaking about things like make people uncomfortable so mm. um i think it's time to 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 go out there and and we're getting there i'm really sorry for the people who feel really uncomfortable about uh, about this message it's not about it's not about them it, mm. it's it's really not about them and what we need it's people who can uh, um uh, be themselves in someone else's shoes and pick a second okay all done I'm here, I'm sitting here. Can I think about how Jessie had to navigate the construction world being a woman and being on top of that, other things, uh, on top of uh, being a woman? Uh, and I think this is what we need. It's more people 
who have compassion and empathy. It's not a fight here. I'm, I, I'm not trying to get my point across. I, I completely agree that people have different opinions. So, um, yeah. This I, is, think, uh, I think you, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, it's, it's about, for me, I think, as I've kind of, you know, said a few times, you know, born mm -hmm. and raised in a very sheltered environment, very, mm -hmm. you know, and, that, you know, that will take time to change, but, you know, a very, very sheltered environment, went to a very uh, simple school, um, was not really destined to do very well at all, but my typical environment was, you know, white working class males was, was my environment. Um, and then I was born and raised by, by my mum and my grandma. Um, so two very clear environments. And mm. I, and it's, it wasn't until I probably entered the working environment when I started to talk to, you know, Eastern Europeans, people from the BAME community, Asians working over here and understanding them. And gradually over the years, over a very long time, um, you're starting to understand people's challenges in mm. which my perception of um, kind of discrimination and equality has changed. In the, you know, when people used to raise the conversation of, of equality with me, I would, and this was not so long ago, I would be um, coming at it from a stance of being like, well, I don't, I don't think we need groups like uh, Black Lives Matter. I don't think we need groups like feminism because we, we have laws in place that mean everybody can get a job. But now I, I can, I can, because I've seen and had these conversations, I, and like you've said, people have shared their stories on platforms, and I've spoken to you, I've spoken to mm. Sam Goodman, who we'll, we'll hear from in a couple of weeks, and I'm seeing firsthand the challenges they're having right now in the 21st century. So I'm like, oh shit, this stuff actually really still exists. There is mm. casual, casual, and and systemic discrimination still going on. There is even blatant you know, derogative statements and, and things like that. Sam Goodman shared a post the other week, um, you know, a, a kind of like being a gay and being gay in America. Um, and, and the comments he received from the book mm. that he's written about his, his kind of life as a gay man um, and being in a gay relationship and having a daughter in that relationship. The comments, Jesse, on this post was embarrassing for me to read. Mm. It was, yes, it was, I, 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 I didn't know what to say. I really didn't. So I, I decided I would share with him something that's a bit risky from, from some people's point of view. And I told him in, in the comments box, open to everybody, considering I have a reasonable following on LinkedIn, this could have gone really wrong. And I, but I mm. thought I want to be honest with him. So I, I told him in this post, um, you know, it wasn't so long ago, um, Sam, I didn't understand why people are gay. I didn't mm. get it. I was that very stereotypical person that when it was against biology, you know, you shouldn't be gay. And now, now, frankly, I don't care. Like Sam, mm. if you want to love somebody and that makes you happy, then I, I it's nothing to do with me. And, and mm. frankly, I love the fact and, and I've completely shifted. And I love the fact now that he can be with, with another man if he wants to. Mm. And he, and they can adopt a daughter. I think they adopted. I'm not really sure. Um, and they can have a daughter as well. That's beautiful. But the only way I got to that position, if I'm brutally honest, was, was uh, meeting my wife 10 years ago, who, who is, had a very diverse uh, friendship group of different ethnicities, of different religions. She has gay mm -hmm. people in her family, you know, uh, and 
I got exposed to all of these different people. Mm. I started to see them as a person and not as this conversation that I see on social media or in the Sun newspaper or on bloody on the bloody telly. I'm actually starting to, mm. to take mm. it on a case by case basis with person and person. So I think I think you're absolutely right is that when people put their stories out on this platform and, and they just say, look, I'm not here to shout at you and say, you know, this is it. I'm just here to tell you the challenges that I've had. And, and, yeah. and you, you open it. the conversation as well and you, and you listen and you allow people to express themselves. I always put things out there and I let people, uh, and unless people express themselves because everybody has the point of view and it's 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 a respect to have so nothing wrong with that exactly exactly so i think you're 100 right there i think the more people that share their, their stories it just helps people like like james that was 10 15 years ago you know is a completely different person and i would have never mm. changed if i didn't hear people's stories because i never knew it existed and that, mm. that's, it's a, that's a really naive place to be. And it, it really, it worries me that I have to communicate that out to people. And it's, and it's scary because it makes me feel a bit vulnerable um, to somebody mm. taking that the wrong way now and saying, oh, James used to be a racist. And no, 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 I never was. I just didn't understand. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's coming down to that. And uh, well done on making the shift. This is the thing. It's, uh, uh, we talk a lot about like educating and people have to go and do their own research and find out mm. and then have ha, have a new opinion I, i've seen people around me changing so it's it's completely it's human mm. we all evolve every day <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely i'm conscious i've kept, kept you for a very long time jesse um and i'm sure you've got a daughter to deal with and a, and a, and a <laughs> she family came behind the door she's like <laughs> what are you doing mommy <laughs> How old is she now, your daughter? Uh, she's 17 months now. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so a year and a half. What's that? Up, running around, shouting? Oh, yes. She's yeah. like full on walking, <laughs> discovering, because it's the age that they want to discover. They're testing you a lot. Yeah. You're going to have a fun time, James. <laughs> so enjoy, enjoy now that she doesn't move a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I can lay next to her as I was. I, I had a call this morning to 10 o'clock and I had a spare hour and I thought, oh, I just go and give her a cuddle. And it's so easy. She just lays there. She doesn't move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, going forward, she's going to start moving. She's going to have an opinion as well. Yeah. She can't express herself completely, but um, you can tell when she's happy, she's not happy. She she tell you and it's just, uh, it, it's really a fun time. Every day is different. It's like mm. a amount of like diversity mm. of... Uh, uh, on the development of a child is just amazing. It's fascinating. Yeah. I can't wait as well to just see her uh, when she grows up, it will be a different world. It'll be such yeah. a different world. And I can't wait to hear, yeah. like, I can't wait to be taught by her what this new yeah. world will be like. Yeah. And, and also she will be inspired by, by you, by having this platform and allowing uh, people to have to speak about the experience and she can hopefully go back and see all the video you've done this is impactful and it's powerful i i, I think it's really important to leave a, a legacy and what i'm doing now it's because i want to demonstrate to my daughter to myself as well that uh, you can you can challenge the status quo you don't have to say yes when something happens 
Mm. So, and you can, it can be hard, but you can, you can try to do, even if it's like a marginal gains, you, you could be, you could be part of like, uh, the, the change. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I, I I remember not so long ago seeing all this stuff for black lives matter and, and, and me and my wife were sitting there and going, you know, I, I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. Um, and, and I knew I had a conversation with you coming up and that just one little thing that I could do was to be able to, you know, provide a platform for somebody. And that, that's just, for me, that's an achievement in its own right. And, and, and that's powerful. And that marginal gains piece you said there, I love that. I think if everybody does that little thing, you know, if you think about that, if everybody in the entire world did one little thing towards mm. sharing a story, towards, uh, you know, increasing equality, towards feminism, sexual preferences, whatever, think of how awesome the world would be. It'd be absolutely amazing. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm really, um, I have a lot of hope. <laughs> good, good. Right, Jesse, <laughs> I've kept you away from your daughter way too long, and I'm going to go see mine for a little bit. And actually, we can actually have our Saturdays back. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for providing with a, a platform. And um, I'm, I'm really, um, re really grateful for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay, peeps, hope you enjoyed that. Again, uh, just a final reminder that everything we're talking about in here is coming from a good place. We are trying to make the safety profession better and I think we can do that through making the safety profession more diverse. The lack of diversity in our profession is frankly shocking. Um, the conversations that we have are very open, honest and frank and we recorded them a hell of a long time ago. Uh, this mini-series has been building for a long time. We've got lots of amazing stuff coming on. We're kicking off with two very open and honest conversations. Firstly with Jesse and then next, uh, next month, sorry, on the first Monday of the month we'll have our next episode of our mini-series where we talk to Sam Goodman who talks about the challenges of coming out as a gay man in America. So thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out Parallel Human Performance and don't forget to check out Project Miletium. But otherwise, I'll catch you next week. Safe. <laughs>